All right, welcome to New Philly. When we turn to our neighbor, tell him it's good to see you today. All right, if this is your first time today, we want to welcome you to church. It's always a good day to be in the house of God with God's people. Amen? I'm sure that, who gave announcements to Pastor Myoma? Uh, as she announced for the retreat, I want to encourage everyone to sign up for the retreat. We're going to Willie Hilly Park. Yeah, the name of the resort's kind of, I don't know why they went with that. But it used to be called uh, Hyundai Songu Resort. And uh, it's a really nice ski resort. Actually, uh, Campus Crusade, we've had our summer conferences there three times. Uh, so it's a really nice uh, place. And so we're going into increase. And uh, it's the year of inspiration. So it's going to be a lot of good things at this retreat. want to ask uh, everyone if you can make time. Uh, try to get off work on Thursday a little bit early because Friday is a holiday. And come out to the retreat, join us, invite your friends, your family. Uh, if you are going to invite someone who currently attends or serves at another church, we do ask that you get that person to get the blessing of their local pastor before they register. Because uh, they will be missing a Sunday service if they join us for the entire retreat. Uh, maybe some people, if they have a car, they can leave on Saturday night or something like that. But people who stay for the whole retreat, we want to ask that they get the blessing of their local pastor. All right? And so last year, a few people did that from different EMs here in the city. And so you know we're expecting uh, some special guests to come join us again this time. So we're looking forward to a powerful retreat. Turn to Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37. Today is the Inspire service over at the Itaewon campus. They were getting the sanctuary ready last night, and they were putting up all of these black curtains along the wall. Uh, so if you want to check that out, right after Hillside service, you can make your way over to the Itaewon service. Itaewon service is going to end at 5.30, a little bit earlier, in order to exhibit the artwork that uh, our new Philly members have worked so hard to create and the theme is to touch the uh, youth of Korea. Something like that, right? To inspire or touch the youth of Korea. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be real, you know, artsy-fartsy, you know. You know I, don't, I don't know what kind of stuff's going to be up, but uh, let's just really show our love to our uh, covenant community, all, all the leaders and members who work so hard to put it together from both campuses. Uh, let's really show our love by going to the uh, Inspire uh, service. Maybe you can't join in for the service, but if you can show up at 5.30. Please don't walk in in the middle of service, though. All right, so they start at 4 o'clock. They're going to try to end by 5.30. If you get there at 5.15, don't walk in. Just wait a little bit until the service ends, and then you can walk in and check out all the art exhibits. All right? Let's look at Psalm 37, verse 4. A very familiar verse to many of us. If it's your first time hearing... About this verse, it's a good verse to memorize. It's a good verse. And today, I want to bring some good interpretation to this verse. Let's look at it together. I'm going to read in the ESV. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. So, if I got this right, if I delight myself in the Lord, like I'm going to come over here in my quiet time, on my knees. Lord, I delight in you, I rejoice in you, I praise you, I bless the Lord, oh my soul. Okay, that was a way off. But Lord, I just bless you, I delight in you, Lord, I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, God, I want you to give me what I need. This is what I want. This is what I desire. Give me this, that, and that. 
Is this what this verse is saying? That if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. What is on your heart today? What are the desires of your heart? Because some of those desires, there's only one man. Not one man. There's only one person that can really grant those desires. Your cousin can't do it for you. Your neighbor can't help you. You can tell them your desires. But there's only one person. And it's God. And the Bible says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, what does that really mean? How do we interpret this? Does this mean that God will give you the desires that are already on your heart? Or does it mean that God will give you, he will give you desires and put it upon your heart, desires that aren't currently there? Does anybody ever wonder which interpretation that this psalm is talking about? He will give you new desires. Or he will give you the desires that are currently already there. Which is it? Now, to put it frankly, the desires of our heart, they are not always godly. You know, God told Cain in Genesis 4, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Its desire, sin's desire was for Cain. And God was telling Cain, you got to master that desire. You cannot let that desire take over. We know that desires of our heart are not always godly. They're not always good. They may even look godly, but they got nothing to do with God. When you desire, for example, your neighbor's spouse or your neighbor's house or your neighbor's <laughs> Thank you. I hope the audience might pick that up. I don't I don't know if people on podcast somebody just said mouse. They thought it was funny. If you if you desire your na- give me a little more mic. If you're des- if you desire your neighbor's spouse, house, or the Bible says donkey. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter five twenty one says that's coveting. That's the sin of covetousness. So we know that not all desires are good or godly, and so God surely wouldn't. Grant you those desires, would he? You know, the desires in general can have three uh, places of origin. They can come from God. They can come from the devil. Or they can come from yourself. Now, the tricky part is the third place of origin. See, any knucklehead can figure out if a desire comes from God Or if it comes from the devil. If you read the Bible a little bit and the fear of the Lord is upon your heart, that's a fairly easy thing for you to figure out. Desiring my neighbor's spouse. Why do I have this burning desire all of a sudden for my neighbor's donkey? (laughs) This surely is not from the Lord. This is from the devil. I rebuke this desire. I do not want that donkey. Ain't no go ahead can figure that out. Now, it's the third place of origin that gets a little tricky. When it originates from yourself, a desire that originates from yourself. Now, here's the thing. Some of those desires are good and they have to do with the will of God for your life. But some of those desires can actually be just from overthinking, daydreaming. Mm-hmm. Or just from your flesh. Devil didn't even have anything to do with it. Devil's like, I ain't do nothing. I have nothing to do with that. That's all David on. That's just all him. It's just his. It's a desire of his flesh. You know what I mean? 
And that's that's where the origin, that third source of origin, we got to be careful. We got to be careful. Is it, because there's also, the Bible talks about the old self. And when you come to Christ, there's the new self. And the Bible says, put away your flesh. Those who have been crucified with Christ have crucified their flesh with the sinful desires. So we got to learn how to put off the old self, the Bible talks about, and put on the new self. But in the process of doing that, when we look at the desires that are originating from, from our, what looks like from our own heart, sometimes it's hard to tell. Is it part of the old self or is this desire from the new self? I want to be a hockey player. Is this desire coming from the new self or is it from my old self playing hockey in Canada? With my brothers, all of my Mennonite brothers on the icy lakes of Winnipeg? Winnipeg. Is this desire coming from my old self? Is it has to do with God's will for me? Or is it just reminiscent and nostalgia? You know what I mean? So it's, real, it's, not, it's not trick. It's kind of tricky. It's not easy. And let's just go back to the original verse here. What interpretation is Psalm 37 4 talking about? That God will give you the desires. He will put desires into your heart. If you delight yourself in him, he will give you the desires. He will put desires into your heart or he will give you and grant you those desires and wishes that are already on your heart. Which interpretation is the Bible here talking about it? And I think I got the answer. Religious folks like to say that this verse means that God will give you new desires into your heart. Because that's a safe interpretation. Hippie Christians will say this verse (laughs) is talking about God will grant you all the desires in your heart. They're all good. So make sure you bring them to him and keep delighting in him because he wants to grant you all those desires. And I think there is a danger and concern with both interpretations. But my answer is, I think it means both. Bible is kind of obscure, I think, on purpose. Because you know what? Both interpretations are very sound. Depending on the circumstance and on the person. So if you look throughout the scriptures, there is support for both interpretations. So let me give you uh, the first interpretation, what the religious folks like, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires. He will give you new desires into your heart so that your old desires for coveting donkeys will be gone and your new desires for coveting spiritual gifts will, will, you know, explode, will grow. And so there's uh, scriptural support for this first interpretation. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When a person becomes a Christian, the old has passed away. That means those old desires. They also you need a funeral service for them. You need to understand that they are dead and they need to stay dead. Too many Christians are living the resurrected life of the old self. The Bible says it's dead. It's passed away. But we like to dig up that dirt and say, hey, how you doing? (laughs) It was fun. You're you're a fun guy. Come on. Let me me re-explore my old way. No, no, no. The Bible says it's passed away. So, So this scripture is saying, behold, the new has come. And with that new self comes new desires. So keep rejoicing in God. Keep delighting in the Lord. Keep meditating upon his word. Because those new desires, God will give you the desires of your heart. All the godly and good desires that he wants there, he will give it to you as you focus on your new self. Galatians 5.16 talks about walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the Bible here is giving us evidence that the desires of the flesh, they don't disappear when you become a Christian. There's like a war, a competition. A, you ever see like birds 
peacocks and, you know, peacocks do these like crazy dances with their feathers all out like this. And there's like a mating dance. They find an attractive female peacock and these male peacocks will come around and and they start doing all these like, yeah, you ever watch the nature channel? Come on. Come on. You have never seen a mating dance of a bird with colorful feathers. Yeah, these males will go at it. They'll just start dancing. It's like a big dance off to win the affections of this female peacock. Well, it's the same way. All right? It's the same way. The desires of the flesh is constantly trying to win your affections. Saying, come on, this is more fun. This is going to satisfy you. All this Christian stuff, it's going to take too long to satisfy you. Come here, you get a quick fix. And yeah, it might die out, but you can get another one the next weekend. Come on. It's more fun here. And there's always a competition. But the Bible says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. They're in opposition to the desires of the spirit. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You want to do? Well, what is it that I want to do? Is this Bible verse talking about the things I want to do, the godly things I want to do? Or is it talking about things I want to do, the ungodly things I want to do? Man, I don't know. That doesn't really say clearly here. But we do know they're in opposition to each other. So Psalm 37, 4 could be talking about that warfare, that tension. Delight yourself in God. And that tension will go more toward the side of gratifying the desires of the spirit, the desires of the new self. So scripture supports that, you know, first interpretation. But the thing is, how scandalous scripture also supports the second hippie interpretation. I'll quote a couple verses for you. Psalm 20, verse 4, very direct. May God grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. That's a dangerous verse right there. Because if you got some foolish plans on your heart, we don't want to speak this verse over you when we prophesy. Right? You know, you got some foolish plans on your heart, some foolish desires on your heart. Desires for some neighbor's donkey. You know, we don't want to say, may God, you know, may God grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all of your plans. That's a dangerous verse. We don't want some knucklehead finding this verse. You know what I mean? They start standing on this verse. They start abusing this verse. But the verse is still there in the Bible. Yeah, maybe some people might abuse it. But the verse is still there. You know, that's the thing what religious folks try to do. Religious folks try to make scripture so safe. They not only keep us from the dangers, but they also keep us from the promises. That's why the religious spirit. A lot of times the Bible says the letter kills when you start turning the things of God into a method and putting it upon people as rules of do's and don'ts just does not have the power to give life. The letter kills, the spirit gives life. So anyway, this verse is in here. Psalm 20, verse 4. May he grant you your heart's desire. That sounds very much like that second interpretation. May he give you all the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you all the desires of your heart. There's another verse, Psalm 21, verse 2. You have given him, talking about the king in verse uh, one of chapter 21 Psalm. You have given the king his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. Is God interested in giving you the desires of your heart? Scripture says, yeah. Scripture says, yes. So what is delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart? What does that mean? I think it means yes. It means both. Because I believe that that's what God is doing in the hearts of every person in here. He is both giving you new desires at the same time promising he will fulfill all your desires. Now, this step one, delight yourself in the Lord, is very key. 
So I want to park there for a second and talk about what does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? And let's use the Psalms since this verse comes from the Psalms. Let's use the Psalms to interpret verse, uh, the first portion of verse one, four, sorry. Delight yourself in the Lord. What does that mean? Hey, make sure you tell people, never text me during a sermon. Or that's mad distracting. I don't know. Did one of y'all text me just now? No, I'm just kidding. Nobody texts me. It's like a Twitter alert that I have to turn off later. (laughs) Stupid Twitter interrupting my sermon. Okay, uh, let's use the Psalms to interpret what it means to delight yourself in the Lord. What's that mean? Does that just mean having your quiet time and just focusing on God? Delight yourself in the Lord. What's that mean? Let's uh, look at a few Bible verses. Uh, Look at Psalm verse 1. Uh, chapter 1, Psalm chapter 1, verse 2. Real easy one, right? What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? Blessed is the man who walks in, not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. To delight yourself in the Lord means to delight yourself in the word of the Lord. Psalm 119 verse 16 says, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I delight in your statutes. You know, when you, and I really believe this uh, means the law of the Lord, not just the word of God, scripture, which it could also be interpreted as, I believe that's the sound interpretation. But even in context to when the psalmist wrote it, he's talking about the law, the first five books of the Bible. If you will meditate and delight yourself in the first five books of the Bible, including all of the difficult portions, including all of the crazy laws about stoning people to death and all that stuff, you might be like, what does that got to do with me today? If you would delight yourself in the law of the Lord, that's what it means to delight in the Lord. Delighting in his law. Because in his law is revealed not these Old Testament religious laws. But that Old Testament religious laws are actually pointing all to Jesus. Do you know that? If you really study the Old Testament Hebrew law, it's Jesus everywhere. Oh man, I can't get into that right now. I'm about to give you an example. It's going to go for another 20 minutes. I'm a I'm going to choose the path of wisdom, and I'm going to focus on this topic here, okay? Uh, Psalm 119.77 says, Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. So, number one, to delight in the law, uh, to delight, uh, delight yourself in the Lord, it means to delight in the word of the Lord. Secondly, delight yourself in the Lord also means Psalm 40, verse 8. Psalm 40, verse 8. Here in the ESV, it says, I desire to do your will. In some other translations, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. What's it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? Second, delighting yourself in the Lord means delighting yourself to do the will of the Lord. Because God is not all about meditation and thinking and mental ascents. He's talking about, you get it, now go do it. For the man who hears the word but does not put it into practice is like a man, dot, dot, dot. And go look through the Gospels. A man who built his house, not on the rock. So when the storms rose up, That house fell with a great crash. Delighting yourself in the Lord means to do the will of the Lord. To delight yourself to do the will of the Lord. How many of you in here, you're just continually taking in revelation after revelation. Doctrine after doctrine. You're taking in all, your head's just getting huge. But you're not doing nothing about it. You're not applying it to your life. The pastor says, register for the retreat. And you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> pastor says, love wisdom. Read through the Proverbs with us in March and in April. 
And you say, uh, well, you know, I'm going through, um, you know, Matthew right now. I'll join you guys when I feel like it. Now you just hear it, listen, listen, listen. You're taking in all these revelations. Your head's getting huge, but you're not doing nothing about it. You're like an athlete. You ever see certain athletes, certain bodybuilders? They work out their chest, and all they do is work out their arms and their chest, but they forget to do their legs. <laughs> Got little chicken, chicken legs. That's what like most Christians these days look like. They come to church with big old heads. But they're not doing nothing about it. So when you talk to them, they're constantly headbutting you. <laughs> got no love in their heart. They don't got wisdom. They just got knowledge. Anyway, if you delight, to delight yourself in the Lord means to do, to delight to do the will of the Lord. That means to go on mission trips. That means to evangelize to your neighbor, to your coworker. That means to join the church in reading the Proverbs. That means taking membership class if you've been at New Philly for more than a few weeks and you feel like this is where I want to be. We're not a movie theater. We're not a movie theater. We're not interested in attendance. We're interested in building a covenant community. We want every person that attends this service, who attends long enough, to eventually join the community and learn to grow in Christ, not only by themselves in their little quiet time, but learn to grow in Christ by learning to love people that are unlovable, which is probably you. (laughs) Learn to receive love. And learn to grow. You know, Christian growth in the Western world has become very much individualistic. But a lot of wise voices, even liberal wise voices, which, you know, I didn't care for. A lot of people who have liberal theology, you know, I I usually don't want to, I don't even want to read what they have to write. Because, you know, I'm very reformed, I'm very conservative in my theology, right? But, you know, like for my class, I had to read a couple of these guys. And I was like, man, they're smart. They're wise. They're not wise in their theology, but man, in their application, they got some great insight. They have the heart and compassion of Christ. Like, you know, like in America, Democrats usually have a uh, um, reputation for loving the poor and being care, caring and concerned for the poor. And the Republicans have this you know, image of just being wanting to be rich and, you know, don't tax me and let me hold on to my guns, whatever, you know. But then, uh, but then at the same time, you're pro-life and you're supposed to be a Christian if you're a Republican, man. All that is baloney, man. The way I see it, man, like the whole political spectrum is infected with the devil on both sides. And there's so much, so many people that are on the Republican side that really don't have a very good godly Christian faith. And it doesn't really come out in their views. It doesn't really come out in the consistency of their votes. And they're just trying to get elected. They're just trying to play the game. That's a political spirit. That's Herod. That's King Herod and his whole family. Anyway, how do I get into that? Like to do the will of the Lord. That's what was on, right? Yeah, do the will of the Lord. Yeah, don't come up to church with a big head. Learn to get your body working, which is the body. Get the body working. I like that. The body of Christ. Yeah. Anyway. Third, delight yourself in the Lord is also... Uh, Psalm 111, verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Third way in which you can delight yourself in the Lord is to delight in the works of the Lord. Whether it's the works of the Lord in history, the works of the Lord in your life, or the works of the Lord in your neighbor's life. You know, sometimes God starts to work in your best friend's life. And when you tell them, I'm engaged. You know, your best friend doesn't always rejoice with you. And then when they hang up, it's just a big angry prayer to God. God, how come, how come she gets everything she wants? I get nothing. What's up, God? You know, they get all angry. Well, you got to learn how to delight in the works of the Lord for other people's life as well as yours. Delight. Yourself, delight in the works of the Lord. Psalm 119, 24 says, your testimonies are my delight. That's good right there. 
delighting yourself in the Lord means delighting in the testimony of the saints. You know, the testimony of the saints have power to defeat the devil. It, was, it shows us in the book of Revelation that they overcame him, the saints. We overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the testimony of the saints. By our testimony, we're going to have victory. And so we got to learn how to delight in those testimonies. Now, this is a comprehensive list. No, I'm going to stop right here because it's easy to remember three. Okay, and I'm, I'm limiting it to just the Psalms. So is it comprehensive? No, it's not. But I'm limiting it to just the Psalms. And if you just study the Psalms, what's delight yourself in the Lord mean? It comes out in three ways. One, delight yourself in the word of the Lord. Delight yourself in the doing the will of the Lord. And delight yourself in the works of the Lord. The testimonies. When you delight yourself in the Lord in these ways, and you get into these patterns, something happens. Your heart begins to change. So all those earlier worries that we have about you having ungodly desires, they don't even become an issue anymore. Too many Christians, that's the issue that they wrestle with for most of their Christian life. The issue of desires that are ungodly and desires that are godly. Too many Christians stay in that, stay in that struggle. That's their, that's their struggle. But a mature Christian's done with that. They're not even dealing with that no more. Well, I mean, they may sometimes, but that's not their primary issue. When they have continually delighted themselves in the Lord, they have come to a place of maturity where they have divine desires, godly desires, and most of their desires are godly. And now the issue is, between all of the good desires that they have, which one am I supposed to take? That's the tougher issues. Which beautiful woman of God in New Philly should I marry? They're all so beautiful. And they all pray like fiery prayers. I just love the way New Philly women, they just carry themselves with just class and excellence. Which one? You know? Instead of, you know, oh, there's one pretty girl. You know, oh, I shouldn't be thinking about that. Oh, maybe I should think of this. You 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 don't struggle with that. You struggle over here. Now, the first step, when you delight yourself in the Lord, it really begins to sanctify you. And this is kind of a concept I wanted to present, present to all of you today. The concept of sanctified desires. Everybody say sanctified desires. When you take step one and you continually delight yourself in the Lord, your desires become cleansed. Your desires become sanctified. Now you don't even have to worry about that first interpretation where you're like, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You don't even have to worry about that, the danger of, oh no, well, God would, wouldn't want to give me all these other ungodly desires of my heart, so maybe that's not the right interpretation. You don't even, you're not even thinking on that plane because when you delight yourself in the Lord and you continually do that, your desires now become sanctified. So now it just becomes a matter of which career path do I take? This is not evil. This is not evil. All of these choices could be godly. You know, God likes to have fun. Sometimes he'll just open up five job offers for you. You will get no job offers for a whole year. And then you get prayer from a man of God. And then that same week you get five job offers. So you go from like, I just want anything. Just give me anything. Give me anything. Oh, I got five. What do I do now? And none of them are, you know, require me to be immoral. They're all, they're all good choices. What do I do? What do I do? Or, or if you're a single uh, sister, right? You know, just praying for your marriage, praying for your marriage, praying for your marriage. And nobody asks you out for like six years. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, three very good looking godly men, they all ask you out in the same month. And so you're like, oh, man, was good with just Bob, but man, <laughs> Ben is pretty good looking. And then y'all was pretty good with Ben, but man, over here, this Mennonite fine man of God, look at him. How can I say no? Lord, what do I do? 
It's very important that we delight ourselves in the Word of God, to do the will of God, and to delight in the testimonies of God. Because when you are continually in that mode, your desires are sanctified. The Bible says in Proverbs 10.24, What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. Isn't that powerful? Once again, I believe this is in the context of a mature righteous man. One whose desires have been sanctified, the Bible says, oh, the righteous man's desires will be granted. What the wicked dreads is going to fall upon him. But the, but the desires of the, the desire of the righteous will be granted. You know, I'll give you an example of an unsanctified desire. You know, back in New York, I won't, I won't name any names, anything like that. But I, I, <clears throat> I remember the story. Of a friend whose father was a pastor. This man had like 15, 20 years of good, solid ministry. And after 15, 20 years, my friend is asking me for all this prayer. And I was like, you know, what's going on? You know, is everything okay? And so he opens up. And he opens up and he shares with me that his father, the pastor, is claiming that God gave him a clear prophetic word. He's not even charismatic, this pastor. You know, of course, you know, it's not, they're never charismatic until they like the prophecy that they hear, right? Well, this pastor is starting to claim that he got a prophetic word of the Lord to leave his wife and kids and run away with his secretary. So the pastor, guess what? He did it. He ran away. For like six or eight months. So they kept calling him, you know, and praying and calling and praying and calling. And finally he returns with no apologies. He says, I, I, you know, I have to take over the, the, the church. I have to continue to lead the church. So God told me that I got to lead the church. I, I don't think these people want you to lead them. Not after what you did. So, but I'm obeying the voice of God. God gave me this desire. He told me that I made a mistake with my first marriage. Or whatever. I don't know what, what he said. I don't remember. I, I added that part. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what this pastor was saying, but he was pretty much saying, the voice of God is, t- I'm just simply obeying. Stop blaming me. And somebody should have had the boldness to come up and rebuke that pastor and says, pastor, I'm sorry with all due respect. But that desire that you have cannot originate from God because it's not a sanctified desire. Stand down, pastor. Repent. Turn from your wicked way. Look at the harm you are causing your congregation members and your family members. Can, are you that blind that you cannot see? That you're not following the desires of your heavenly father. You're, desi- you're following the desires of some other father. Because that desire is not sanctified. You know, and you know, the, I thought, man, that is a ludicrous story. That is some crazy story. That's stuff that happens once a, a century. So sad. In the Korean church community, I heard it since then. Over and over and over and over again. With good, gifted Pastors with families. And some of you in here, you're sitting in here. When you came to New Philly, you needed inner healing. You had a hard time trusting Pastor Christian. Why? Because of your previous pastor experiences. And what men of God with unsanctified desires were led to do because of what you saw was possible. You thought, oh, this, this offensive pastor from Philly, oh, oh he looks much worse. <laughs> he going to do something crazy too. I can never trust him. I would just simply attend 
and learn a thing or two and grow in my personal individual relationship with God, but never really open up, never really be part of this community, never really serve this house. That's sad. The good news is many of you who have that story, we've walked you through it. It's like this process of loving and being pushed away. And we could get hurt too. You know, we as a New Philly community, when we try to embrace people that are really like, you know, they're like injured kittens. You ever see an injured kitten? Yeah. yeah. I have this ne- like very gruesome story of an injured kitten. But when a kitten is injured and you try to help that kitten, right? Now, dogs are a little bit different. Dogs will be like, help me, help me. <laughs> right? Dogs, dogs will embrace the help. But you go up to an injured kitten, right? You're like, oh, no, kitty, you're hurt. You're, ki- you're hurt. You get in there. Ah! Yo, it was scary. It was scary. Well, that's, that's the way some of us are here. You come to church, and you're an injured kitten. And people try to hug you, and you just scratch their face. And the small group leader, you know, the small group leader is still very new. It's a brand new small group leader, and they're going, oh, I'm going to scratch you back. And they have to fight back and they need to forgive you and they need to pray for healing and they receive prayer. And then next week they show up to small group and they try to embrace you again. And you, you receive it for two or three weeks. And then on the fourth week, you scratch them back out of nowhere. That's tough, man. That's a tough task for a small group leader or a pastor. But you know what? The heart of Jesus, the heart of Jesus. You know, I wish Jesus would have gave an analogy for injured cats, not just lost sheep. Because <laughs> that will give us the, the heart to like really be patient with people. Okay, a lost sheep, you know, hey, you're a lost sheep. Oh, come here, you little cute thing. Man. You just put it on your shoulders. Oh, look at a lost sheep, the cute little lost sheep. You know, the sheep's going to cooperate. You know, what about leaving the 99 going after the injured cat? <laughs> <laughs> Lord, I've been scratched over and over again because you said that you leave the 99 and go after the injured cat. So will I. You know, I wish he would have gave us some kind of analogy like that, but he didn't. He didn't. It's sad, but yeah, in in the Korean church, I've heard these stories over and over again, and it's very sad. Um... And, and the, the saddest part is these men are not willing to take ownership over what they've done. They try to put it on the Holy Spirit, which, of course, gives the charismatic movement even a worse name, you know? When really, it may not have had anything to do with even the devil. It may have just been the desires of their flesh that they acted out. And then the devil just helped it out by saying, oh, this is the voice of the Holy Spirit. This issue also has, I think, is connected with sonship. Too many pastors have an orphan spirit. They don't have anybody holding them accountable. They don't have anyone speaking into their life. So they are the best interpreter for everything they hear from God. And they never grow in their interpretation or discernment. Because there's nobody that they submit under. They never relate to anyone as a spiritual father. A loving person that will relationally bring them to maturity. Too many pastors right now. They're just out there doing work. They're out there doing good work, but it's very, a lot, very few of them are lasting because of these unsanctified desires that sometimes get in. And there are good-meaning pastors, even today, right now, probably in their prayer closet, and they're praying Psalm 37, verse 4. I'm delighting in you, Lord. Now give me the desires of my heart. Give me my, the desires of my heart. Give me that, give me that love relationship with that underage youth group kid. I know she's young, but Lord, you put it on my heart and I want to obey. And somebody's praying that right now. And if they had a spiritual father, the spiritual father would say, come here, let me smack that unsanctified desire off of you. Let me sanct- let me circumcise your heart. Come here, I need to circumcise you. Here, give me a, give me a real knife just to, just to show you a vivid picture of what I'm doing for your heart right now circumcise that off of you. I ain't got nothing to do with the Lord. 
You know, you need a spiritual father. You know, anyone who tries to circumcise themselves, what Pastor Benjamin always say, right? Circumcising yourself is not smart. In the Old Testament, it was always a father that circumcised a child. Someone older. You try to circumcise yourself, Pastor Benjamin says, you're cut off too little or too much. So my message is real simple for the whole house, right? For, for the whole church. Delight yourself in the Lord. Continually delight yourself in the Lord in all the different ways. And you will keep on maturing. And you'll keep on growing to the place where you have sanctified desires. Now the question becomes, well, out of these sanctified desires, which one do I choose? That is a different message for a different time. Now... Now, um, I do want to give a couple warnings. One warning is there are a lot of Christians, especially, who take what I believe is a balanced teaching on prosperity, on, you know, prosperity in all of its wholeness, including finances. They take my financial teachings on prosperity and they misapply it. Now, do you remember I preached uh, back in September, I preached the five sermon series on finances. And one of those sermons was called what? Now, was that just like, you know, my way to try to get one of my sermons viral? Maybe. <laughs> no, but that was not the real intention. The message was, the, was a very key message, right? When you are wanting to steward greater and greater finances for kingdom glory, it's very important that you take the Bible's warnings regarding covetousness. I think there's too many young people out here. They take some, some teachings on prosperity that are balanced or even maybe unbalanced teachings. And then they say, I just want to be rich. I just want to be rich. God will give you the desires of my heart, right? I, one of my desires is to be rich and give lots of money for evangelism and missions. I just want to be rich. End time financier. Now, if you, if you are going to bring that desire before the Lord and nurture that and steward that desire... You also have to steward the warning. All right? It says in 1 Timothy 6, 9, Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a trap, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That's a warning right there. If you're going to steward the desire to be rich, you better steward the warning. Jesus also said in the parable of the sower, Mark 4.19, he said, the desires for riches chokes the word of God, making it unfruitful. So if you're going to steward the desire to be rich, you better make sure your desire for godly things and your desire for the Lord's will outweighs your desire to be rich. So if any time God tests you to see which desire is primary, it better be your desire for the Lord's will that's primary. That you are Embrace a season, perhaps, of lack to show the Lord where your priorities actually lie. Because the desire for riches can choke the word of God from being fruitful. Right? So these warnings are very clear. Now, uh, I know y'all want me to preach this other message, but I'm out of time. So I will try to maybe visit it in the future. Um, I'm going to end because... We are over time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the grace to end. What was that, 55 minutes? 53 54 minutes? All right, thank you, Naima. Let's close in prayer. Hallelujah. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you that your word promises us that the desire of the righteous will be granted. That if we will delight ourselves in you, you will give us the desires of our heart. 
God, in this room today, there are a lot of desires in, in the hearts of many in here today. Some people in here, they have desires for certain dreams, big dreams for North Korea. They have dreams for the youth of this nation. They have desires to see the suicide rates of this nation plummet. They have desires to see education reformed. Desires to raise up a new kind of training school to equip future pastors to serve in healthy churches. There's desires in here, Lord. Desires for marriage. Desires for a future family, although their own was a broken one. There's a lot of desires in here, God. And Father, I'm praying today that we will not fix ourselves on these desires and be obsessed with them and worry and fear and how, how, figure, try to figure out how we're going to make it happen. But our f- eyes will be fixed upon you, God. Upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That as we delight ourselves in you, God, You will give you the desires. You will give us the desires of our heart. You will make it happen. You will work and move in supernatural ways to bring in resources, to open up relationships so that the desires and dreams of our heart, we shall see. They weren't all just about our own personal ambition. We shall see that they truly originated from you, yourself. You know, there's many people in here, you guys have a desire that you can't shake. Desires that you try to try to kind of shelve and put away, but you can't shake it. It gets stronger and stronger. And some of those desires are actually clues from God regarding your future. Clues from God regarding your calling. And religious voices may say, throw away that desire. Your parents' voices may say, Give up on that dream. It's not financially stable enough. And God says, no. I will give you the desires of your heart. You just keep delighting in me. You just keep focused on me. And I will cause my plans that I put inside of you through your desire. I will bring it to pass. But you got to recognize you can't do it on your own. It's got to be by the grace of God. So I'll stand to our feet right now.